Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZ 88.1 FM. I'm Murray Hewitt, and I'm just overjoyed that you've tuned in this morning, and that's because Courtney Lamar from the Marine Mammal Center is standing by to chat about her awesome organization that cares for sick, injured, and orphan marine mammals that need help. It's one of my favorite wildlife organizations, and Courtney has some truly moving stories to tell. And after our halftime break, Antoinette Sharapa of Pet Orphans of Southern California will be checking in to talk about the great humane work her organization is involved in. So don't even think of changing the station because we'll get started as soon as you sit down with a cup of coffee here on KJAZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm extremely pleased to introduce Courtney Lamar from the Marine Mammal Center. Welcome to the Pet Place, Courtney. Hi. Thanks so much, Marie. I am really thrilled to have you on the show because I've been a big fan of the Marine Mammal Center for a long, long time, and I just wanted to share the facility with our listeners. So if you don't mind telling the listeners a little bit about the history. Absolutely. I'm so excited to get to tell you about the Marine Mammal Center today. So what we do is rescue, rehabilitate, and release wild marine mammals all up and down the coast of California. We're a nonprofit animal hospital. Um, We focus on the rehabilitation, but also on education and research here at the center. Okay. And how long have you guys been around? The Marine Mammal Center has been around since 1975. Have have you always been up in Northern California, or were you down in Southern California for a bit? We've actually always been up in Northern California. Okay. Uh, we're in the Marin Headlands in a national park, and but oh. we do care for 600 miles of the California coastline. So that's wow. maybe why you've heard about us a little bit further south. Well, I remember when I used to work for animal control every now and then when we'd get... Uh, a sea lion on the beach or something like that, we would call you and somebody would be right there to, to pick it up. And I was always amazed how fast a volunteer would arrive to, to pick up the animal. So that's why I assumed that you were you had an office down here locally. We have three satellite facilities in addition to our main hospital. So one's located in San Luis Obispo, one in Monterey Bay, and one way up north in Fort Bragg near Mendocino. Ah, okay. Now, what type of animals do you treat? I know that you probably get plenty of sea lions, but what else? Um, Sea lions are our most common patient, but we see lots of northern elephant seals and Pacific harbor seals as well. And you never know, we get some unusual patients too, like dolphins or whales. Oh, wow. What do you do when you get dolphins and whales? That's a great question. So with a dolphin, we actually can bring them here to our hospital. We have a specialized pool just for them. Okay. But for a whale, we have to make what we like to call a house call. We have to go where the whales are. So if you have a whale stuck in a river or stuck in some nets off the coast, we're going to go to them. We've been hearing a lot of news stories recently about whales that have slum into areas where they shouldn't be and they, they can't seem to get back out again. Would you be the correct agency to call about something like that? 
Absolutely. We would definitely be the people to call about whales along the California coastline. And and what do you do to make them get back out to where they're supposed to be? Well, one of our most famous cases of whales needing rehabilitation was Delta and Don, a mother and a calf who swam up the Sacramento River. Mm-hmm. And they actually swam up the river for protection. They were vulnerable because they had been hit by boats. Oh. And so they were... Um, sick for a different reason. They weren't just lost. Okay. And so when we actually treated them with antibiotics and got them better, they went back to the ocean on their own. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. But how does a whale get injured by a boat? Um, well, there's boats and whales all in the same areas, the same as seals and sea lions, and we can't always see them. They spend a lot of time underwater. So it is an inevitability of of everybody using the ocean at the same time. Okay. It's just I I was under the impression that they have this amazing sonar and they could tell where everything is, and if a a big boat's coming across the water's surface, they could just dive down. Is is there something going on with their their reception? No, not as far as we can tell. Things just get haywire sometimes, just like with people driving on roads and, and wildlife. You just sometimes there's accidents. Okay. I've heard that a lot of whales are susceptible to the sonar sounds that the military uses offshore. Is is there anything to that story? Well, um, that's a great question, and I'm glad you're concerned about it. But we actually are focused much more on seals and sea lions okay. than we are on whales. Okay. Well, then let's get back to seals and sea lions. <laughs> Awesome. About how many of these critters do you see generally in the average year? In the average year, we see 600 to 800 patients. And in 2013, we actually had a slower year. We saw 497 patients. Okay. All right. Well, I actually am happy that, you know, slower years come around because that means there's more sea lions that are are healthy and, and not in need of emergency services. We love that, too. Actually, right here at, at the hospital right now, we only have seven patients total. And we love to tell people that we have low numbers because it means everybody out in the ocean is doing really well. Yeah, definitely. I suspect, though, it's very expensive to keep your organization up and running. What's your budget? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is very expensive to make this place run. And actually, 85% of our funding comes from private individual donors like you and your listeners. Excellent. We're really lucky to have the support that we have. Um, but to give a little example of how the budget um, gets weighed is all the fish that we buy. So our patients um, eat about 10% of their body weight a day, wow. and that's a lot of fish. Here at the center during the busy season, we can go through a 1,000 pounds of fish in oh one day. Oh, wow. Uh, but we have this great campaign called the Dollar a Pound Campaign, and um, it helps people get involved with what we do at the center. Okay. Uh, every pound of fish costs us about one dollar. So every time you give us a dollar, you're helping us buy a meal for our patients. Oh, that's wonderful. How can somebody take part in that? Um, The Dollar a Pound campaign uh, starts in March, and it actually runs from uh, March to April, and it's going to be all over our website. So if you check out www.marinemammalcenter.org, you can get involved with the campaign. Oh, that's wonderful. And actually, you can get involved with that campaign anytime. We just have a big push um, during March and April. Okay. Is there a general donation button that somebody can just 
click on if they go to your website? There is. There's a big button right at the top that says donate. That's a great way to get involved with what we do. Uh, that's wonderful. Is there a combination of paid staff and volunteers? Are you all volunteer? Are you all paid? What, what's the staffing? Um, the staffing structure is really interesting at the Marine Mammal Center. We've got about 45 paid staff, um, but the brunt of our workforce is our 1,000 active volunteers. Wow. They are the heart and soul of the Marine Mammal Center, and we couldn't do what we do without them. What do the volunteers actually do? Our volunteers do everything. We have people who work in animal care. That's the most popular. Mm -hmm. uh, we have education volunteers that help teach about these animals and about ocean conservation. We even have people who come and help us with accounting. Oh, okay. So even if you're not necessarily comfortable working with uh, giant sea lions, <laughs> you can help out with paper and pencil. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I really like the fact that you have educational endeavors. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing? Are you going out to schools? We do. Um, we go out to schools in our program called the Whale Bus. Um, it's outreach. It's kind of like bringing a natural history museum to a classroom, all about whales, seals, sea lions, otters. Um, but that's just one of the ways that we reach school groups in the area. We also have on-site programs. Okay. So students can come to the center and get a class um, and take a tour. We have public tours that happen on the weekends for anybody who walks through the door. And we have specialized family programming uh, like Marine Science Sundays. They happen on the second and fourth Sunday of every month. Wow. Our next one is on February 9th. And for Valentine's Day, it's all about marine mammal parents and pups. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, everybody can find out all this information at marinemammalcenter.org. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. I can't remember. Did you say it costs anything to get in? It does not. We are, um, because we're located in National Park and because our main focus is um, rehabilitation and then educating, we want everybody to be able to come in our doors and see what we're doing here. Oh, so there's wonderful. No, some of the programs have fees attached, but just to come in, there's no fee. Uh, but is there a nice donation jar at the front counter? Oh, yeah, we've got some big ones, some big donations. <laughs> I'm trying to promote that as much as possible because I am certain that it just costs a, a small fortune every single day to take care of these animals. Even though you only have seven that you're currently treating, you never know when there's going to be something really serious that happens. And and I remember a few years back a whole bunch of elephant seals, if my memory serves me right, were just coming ashore and we're sick and needed Absolutely. help. What do you do when there's some sort of mass illness event that takes place? Um, so those are actually called unusual mortality events. Um, and there was one in Southern California just this uh, last year for the California sea lions. And um, what was happening is the mothers were not able to get enough food, so they weren't able to um, produce enough milk for their pups. Oh, that's right. I so remember the that. the pups were stranding in these huge numbers. And um, even though they were all the way down in Southern California, the Marine Mammal Center up here, we actually took part in this because the hospitals down south are a bit smaller than ours. Okay. Um, we are actually the largest marine mammal hospital in the world. Wow. And so, mm -hmm, and so we were able to offer up our services and say, hey, we've got some room. We have some extra pens and pools. Please send them up our way and we can help you guys out. 
so they did. They sent them up to us on trucks, and we were able to get a bunch of those baby sea lions healthy and back out to the ocean. Ah, oh, that's wonderful, and that's why you need to be prepared for for all kinds of crazy things because you never know when some nature has some big tragic event in store, and, and you guys are there to to help out all these little big guys, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got our pens ready here that can hold 200 animals at our max capacity, and our volunteer force is ready and able at any moment. That's wonderful. Let's give out your website one more time before we say goodbye. (laughs) Our website is www.marinemammalcenter.org. Well, your organization is wonderful, and it's something Pet Place listeners love hearing all about. So thanks so much for stopping by and giving all this great information. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. We need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Antoinette Schiarapa from Pet Orphans of Southern California has some very cool information about her organization's upcoming community services. This and more are just ahead on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm very pleased to introduce Antoinette Sharapa from Pet Orphans of Southern California. Good morning, Antoinette. How are you? How are you? I'm doing really well, and I'm so happy to have you on the program because I know Pet Orphans is a really wonderful organization that helps a lot of people and a lot of animals, and you've been around a very long time. Yes, we have. We've been around probably since 1973. We have the largest facility in the San Fernando Valley that offers grooming, training, as well as a pet store on our grounds for all your pet's needs. Uh-huh. Um, I've been in the business for over 30 years, um, so and I'm really proud to be part of Pet Orphans. How did Pet Orphans come into existence? Um, by Diane Scripps and Virginia Haley. They originated this organization to help needs of pet orphans, basically, and um, orphan pets, as I, they should say. Okay. And um, so their dream is coming to fruition to focus on getting pets adopted, as well as hopefully in the next year with a spay and neuter clinic and kind of, a, you know, a general practice of medicine here that can help the San Fernando Valley area. That's wonderful. You know, I am so impressed by the number of pet rescue organizations that are really expanding and growing and branching out, and they're so successful, not only in getting pets into forever responsible, loving families, but also by offering support services to the folks who are adopting these animals. And that's one of the things that you all do is you supply support services, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yes, we do. We are, at the present, we are going to do a special event. It's called Zootering um, on Sunday, February 9th. It starts at 9 a.m. It's a new innovative procedure on neutering dogs. And, um, and it's called Lutering? Zootering. Zootering with a Z. Yes. Okay. And we are going to be doing that again on September uh, on Sunday, uh, February 9th. Okay. Starting at 9 a.m. And if anybody wants information, they can give us a call um, at 818-901-0190 to set up an appointment, and we can go over procedures with them as far as how that is done. What, what is zootering? Is basically, it... it's a zinc neutering 
zinc neutering. Zinc neutering, and it's anesthetic free. Okay. There, it's um, non-invasive. It permanently sterilizes male dogs. Um, they do uh, keep their testicles intact, ah. um, but it does shrink them down um, to a minimum of non, you know, non-breeding use. Okay, so, so for for all the men out there who who cross their legs and say I would never do that to my dog, this is actually a better way to go and exactly. do something more for these guys who have always been concerned. Exactly. Now I have heard that by having this process rather than having the actual traditional neutering uh, procedure, that the hormones remain so that. There's not a lot of weight gain or laziness or inactivity. Correct. They do keep about 50% of their testosterone. Okay. Um, but it still still does render them, you know, incapable of breeding, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's um, also the the less the least side effects as far as um, traditional neutering because you don't have to worry about sutures or you know them licking that kind of stuff. Okay. That, and it only takes 20 minutes. So. And there's no anesthesia. And there's no anesthesia. That's fabulous because every now and then, it's extremely rare, but every now and then there is a person or an animal that has a real negative reaction to anesthesia. And that that can be pretty scary and and tragic from time to time. So to have a procedure where you don't have to have any kind of anesthesia, that is awesome. How long has this been around? Um, It's actually been around, uh, it was FDA approved in 2012. So it's almost brand new. So Yes, and they've been doing wow. studies um, over the last five years. Okay. So they've been trying to, you know, get this out there to the public, and so we're kind of on the... Um, the cutting edge so, without the cutting. Yeah. <laughs> we're a cutting edge organization at the present moment. <laughs> oh, that is really cool. I, I have just begun to hear about this procedure, and I think it is really, really going to take off. I haven't seen a lot of veterinarians offering it yet. Is there uh, just a lack of publicity? I think at the present moment it's because um, it is still fairly new. Okay. Um, and, I, I, and I don't have, honestly, I don't have all the answers, but I, as far as I know, we are working on this as a new project okay. to get out to the veterinary world as well. And um, hopefully we can, you know, with this, our starting this project each year, that we can move forward. Outstanding. And in, in addition to that, I know that you have a grooming facility, too, and a training area. Can you talk a little bit about that? Can somebody just bring in a pet that they already have to be groomed? or is that Yes, just... absolutely. Okay. We are here six days a week oh. um, for grooming. Okay. And um, they can just give us a call, again, at 818-901-0190, and they can schedule an appointment for any kind of grooming. We have a full grooming facility as well as bathing facilities that you could do yourself. Oh, self-service. And that's fabulous. And (laughs) our trainers that we use, we have, again, they're here on Saturdays, Mm -hmm. and they can schedule appointments uh, with them and have their animals trained. Well, that's really important because so many people often, when they have a pet and they're having behavioral troubles, rather than try and deal with it, they'll just give their pets up at a shelter and I think it's wonderful that you're offering training because that gives them at least the opportunity to try and work with their pet rather than give up. Right. And the ladies that train here are, are wonderful, and they've been helping a lot of people with, the, you know, the certain behavioral issues that they have, you know, like jumping and, you know, 
regression issues and training their owners to be the leader of the pack as far as, far as that goes rather than the other way around. Okay. Well, that sounds fantastic. And one of the things I like to ask shelters and rescues and the folks that work there rather are, what are their favorite stories from their respective rescues? And I know that you recently rescued 11 very special dogs. We did. We uh, we went out to Coachella and we did a huge rescue through Coachella. And the ladies there, Michelle and Jennifer, were fabulous, Um, one of which was our little mojo. Um, who needed extensive surgery to repair a broken leg that he oh. had for about 10 days. Wow. Um, and, he, and believe it or not, it's just he's actually doing wonderful. We were able to get the surgery done um, and looking uh, for donations to, you know, fill that need. Okay. Uh, VCA West LA was tremendous in helping us get this accomplished. Um, Dr. Buat, uh, Reina Fominoa, I'm sorry if I screwed up her name, but <laughs> <laughs> they were just fabulous in, in, in executing this situation for us. Oh, um, an unbelievable practice. So we are very thankful and proud of them as well. Oh, that's really nice. And so- Mojo is, as I said, doing wonderfully now. He's happy, um, and he's just doing really great. He also had to have an eye removed Aww. that he was born with a congenital problem, and the eye was just basically non-functional. Wow. So rather than leave it, they they thought it would be best to have it removed so that it would not cause any future problems such as infection, abscess, that kind of stuff. So he's going to be a pirate dog. Yes. But <laughs> if he's a wonderful, he's going to be a great dog for somebody because he's just, he's housebroken already, he's wow. happy. It, it, through all of his problems, what kind not of dog one time is he? was he aggressive or unhappy. Aww. So... He'll be a great dog for someone. What kind of dog is he? He's a puggle. A puggle. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part pug part and pug part and beagle. beagle. Maybe? Okay. <laughs> okay. And and how old did you say he was? He's about two. Oh, so he's got a long life yep. ahead of him, ready to give lots of people lots of laughs and smiles yep. and some great storytelling too. Absolutely. I mean, how can you not start talking about a dog with one eye? (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Everywhere you go, somebody's going to say, Oh, what happened? Yeah. (laughs) The conversation starter. Exactly. (laughs) That's the perfect wingman. Exactly. And he's going to be that. Okay. And he had 10 uh, little partners that came in with him, too. Yes, we did. We have, oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, we, We took in about four little puppies that are probably anywhere from about two months to about six months. Okay. We have, um, and they're kind of all just mixed breeds. Okay. Um, don't, we have maybe a, a Torgi, which is half Chihuahua Corgi, little Terrier mix, um, Basset Hound mix, which is fabulous, a Sharpay mix. He, he's another great one. And a couple of, like, poodly mixes. <laughs> So all of your available animals, can our listeners look at them online to see if they um, would be interested? Most of them they can. Okay. The ones that we've just adopted through Coachella, they are in our what we call our isolation ward at the present moment. Okay. Uh, they won't be available till next week. Okay. But I bet you have lots of others that are ready yes, to go. we have. So, what gosh, is so your many, website? So many here that are just wonderful, wonderful dogs, in, ranging in any age from about a year to about 10 years. Okay. And some of them are just great. What is your website so that our listeners can come take it a look? It is www.petorphans.org. 
PetOrphans.org. PetOrphans.org. And it was founded by Henry Weiss, and he's your current president, too. He's our current president. It was founded through Diane Scripps and Virginia Haley. Excellent. Well, I am so happy you were able to stop by the pet place today and talk about these beautiful animals that you're rescuing. And and I hope a lot of our listeners check out your website and maybe adopt a few that are coming through your doors. Thank you, Antoinette. I thank you so much. We need to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, be ready for Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. So I know a lot of you are familiar with agility training and trick training, but have you ever heard of nose work? Mary Dell does this with her dogs, and it's just a blast. Dogs' noses are pretty incredible, and they definitely like to use them, so you can help them hone their nose work skills in a special class offered through SBCALA in Long Beach. You and your six-month-old or older dog will learn how to search for items together. Your dog will learn how to use his nose, how to work independently, and as a team. Proof of current vaccination is required. For more information, visit www.spcala.com slash dog training and click on the Fun Nosework tab. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal-related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. You can also like us on Facebook. You'll find us listed as Pet Place Radio. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.